1 Corinthians chapter 11. Father, we're very thankful for this good day. We're thankful above all things for your word because by it we are upheld, transformed, made into the image of your Son, kept until the day of the Lord Jesus. By it we are sustained. We praise you, O Lord God, for this time we have this morning because here we can hear from you grow in our knowledge of you and our understanding of you. We ask, Father, that you be merciful because we know that this is no academic exercise. That we can't know you, we can't perceive you, we can't see you or understand you unless you give us eyes to see by the Spirit. So, Father, I ask that you would do that. Have mercy on us all. And may we see. May we understand. And may we not be confused. Please, O Lord, speak. For we ask this in the beloved name of your great and awesome Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to be looking at how it is we can hear God speak to us through circumstances. The circumstances of our life. We all encounter circumstances on a daily basis. You know the one thing that we love to do? Constantly, we are creatures who are interpreting trying to understand them. What is God saying to us? And it's important for us to not always try to understand what God is saying to us through them merely by what we see with our eyes. Because that is, that is our common problem. God is saying often things to us that are completely different than what we do see with our eyes. And this is incredibly important because we are quick to see with our eyes, take our circumstances in, and then right away start to judge and discern what it is that God must be doing or saying to us. For example, when you have an important meeting to get to, and all of a sudden there's an accident on I-5, and you know for a fact you are not going to make it. How do you understand that? Are you angry and upset? Probably initially. Do you wonder why God would allow such a thing to happen now? Like, really? Truly? Now? Are you so, how are you supposed to interpret that event? What does that say to you? How should you understand what God is doing? God, what are you doing? Or let's say you have a newborn that cries all night long and won't let you sleep. And you feel like you're in a torture chamber. You're going to go crazy. And you don't understand what God is doing. God, what are you doing to me? Are, are you playing a cruel joke? Because it isn't funny. What's going on here? Do you even care? Do you care what, what's happening? You feel angry? Maybe you're upset. Because God has brought this torture into your life. We're prone, we're prone to interpret, and we're prone to have circumstances come into our lives and take them and then try to translate them and understand, God, what are you saying to us? What are you saying to me? Or, let's go on the flip side. Great things are happening. We do, we do this on the other end as well. 
Great things are happening in our lives. And all the cir- circumstances just seem to be going together. I mean, it's, it's working out. You pull up to work, you go up to the building, and that best spot right in front of the building, it's open. You go in, you go up, and you find out that you just got a raise that day. Wow, this is, it's starting off real good. And then you find out near the end of the day, the boss is going to call it quits early. You're going to go out, he's going to take you all out for some, from some snacks and cocktails. This is a good day. Next thing you'll go home and wow, the, you open the door and the kids greet you and they're happy and the house is clean. The wife is beautiful and cheerful and overflowing with joy and it tells you she's got a, a great night planned for you. What do you say? How do you interpret that? God is good. God is for me. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is a good day. I must have done something right. I must be a pretty good guy to to deserve all this. This is really good stuff. That's the way we roll, isn't it? We typically, what comes into our lives and the circumstances that we face, we read them, we interpret them, we understand them. If they're good, that God must be good smiling upon me. It all must be great. And if they're bad, if it's not, God must be against me. But we have to understand that this is usually and not often how God is working. God loves irony, doesn't he? His whole kingdom is upside down. That's the way he's operating and functioning so often so that what we see with our eyes can easily confuse us. And so we have to understand, God, what are you saying through the circumstances in my life? He speaks through them, but how is he speaking through them? To begin, as I, to begin with, I want us to see something here and understand that when things are, aren't going so well for us, here are some things that can be speaking to us, things God could be saying to us. It's possible that God could be saying that we do need to repent of our sins. This is truly a possibility. And, and now let me repeat, it could be. Now, this is important. It could be that there's sin in our lives that we need to repent of. But we have to be careful here. Because if we think this is always the case, then we're going to find ourselves like Job's counselors, aren't we? Because when all kinds of trouble met Job, Job's friends concluded that God must have been bringing this into his life because Job was in sin somehow. Yet they were ignorant of the ways of God. They were interpreting the circumstances. They were saying, this is what God's telling you through them. And they were all wrong. They misunderstood what God was saying through them. God wasn't doing this because of Job's sins at all. He had other purposes in mind. However, having said that, God disciplines for sin. He does do that. And we know that this could be a possibility. It could be that things are... We have very troubling and difficult and hard circumstances coming upon us because we are in sin. In 1 Corinthians 11, verses 29 through 32, it says, For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So what's he saying? He's saying that 
Sometimes suffering and ill and affliction is clearly connected to disobedience to the Lord. That's his argument there. This is what he said. This is why some of you are ill or sick, because the way you are conducting yourself in the household of God as you partake of the Lord's Supper. And this isn't a new thing, like somehow God responds or acts towards his people because they're sin, because they're sinning. This is something that God has done all throughout. If we are to look, if you can quickly turn over to Leviticus 26, we'll see a good place to look at how it is God deals with his people in discipline through circumstances. So circumstances aren't random. God wants us to understand the circumstances. And here he, he it, I don't think it lays it out any clearer than Leviticus 26 of how he's going to deal with his children if they're disobedient to him. In Leviticus 26, starting at verse 15, If you spurn my statutes, and if your soul abhors my rules, so that you will not do all my commandments, but break my covenant, then I will do this to you. I will visit you with panic, with wasting disease and fever that consumes the eyes and make the heart ache. And you shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. I will set my face against you, and you shall be struck down before your enemies. Those who hate you shall rule over you, and you shall flee when none pursues you. And if in spite of this you will not listen to me, then what will he do? This is, listen to this. He says, Then I will discipline you again sevenfold for your sins. And I will break the pride of your power. And I'll make your heavens like iron and your earth like bronze. And your strength shall be spent in vain. Your land shall not yield its increase. And the trees of the land shall not yield their fruit. Then, if you walk contrary to me and will not listen to me, What does he say? I will continue striking you sevenfold for your sins. Now, this is just a part of this chapter. He goes on and on and says, I will keep ramping it up. I will keep ramping it up. And if you do not heed my discipline, I will ramp it up. (laughs) I will ramp it up. And so he's telling them clearly your circumstances in life, he, he wants them to make a connection. If you walk in rebellion, you walk in disobedience against the Lord, I am going to bring certain circumstances, and certain circumstances are going to come into your life, and you need to read them. You need to understand them. What I'm saying to you, I'm telling you this, repent. Turn from your sin. That's what I'm saying. And God is gracious and kind. Even in 1 Corinthians 11, he says, "I, I do this so that you will not be destroyed with the world. I'm seeking to discipline you. It's like, hello, wake up. That's what he's trying to do. And it's amazing, it's all in grace because he's doing it to get to our hearts to help us to see and understand and repent. So, if there's areas in our life where we know we're walking in disobedience to God's commands and we're having some rough circumstances in our lives, one after another, we need to take heed and repent. That's the lesson there. That could be what God is saying if, we're, if we do have rough circumstances coming our way. But if we're not disobeying God in what he's commanded us to do, then we can also know this, that if we do still have horrible circumstances, 
God is not saying through those horrible circumstances that you need to repent. What is he saying? Well, like Job, he's saying something different. God could be training us and preparing us for a greater weight of glory that couldn't happen or be handled otherwise. Certain blessings and places of honor require a much greater degree of character. You know, if you were elevated to a certain place and God gave you certain blessings, if you don't have a certain level of character, you know what's going to happen? It's not going to be good for you. It will not be good for you. You are not prepared for that. And God knows that. He would not give you more than he thinks you can handle unless he wants to destroy you. I mean, that, we got to understand that God treats us as children and he doesn't give us more than he, he knows we can handle. Yet, aren't we always so quick to think that we know better? God, why aren't you giving me this so much more? Because we have such a high estimation of ourselves. But you got to understand, your Heavenly Father loves you. And He says, no, you couldn't handle that. Especially right now. You still need to be trained, prepared. And nothing prepares us better than humbling, humbly enduring suffering. As Second uh, Corinthians twelve, Corinthians twelve tells us, Paul was given a thorn in the flesh, so that he wouldn't become puffed up from what God had revealed to him. Paul knew that because he has been given a lot, so God brought a thorn in the flesh to him to humble him and keep him dependent upon the Lord. So this is one thing that we have to understand. Circumstances come our way in life, and they could be horrible, they could be difficult, and it could be that we need to repent from our sins. But if that's not the case, God could be saying that we need to wait on him because he's going to do something great. This is also a possibility. All you have to do is look at Abraham, Joseph, Moses, Israel, Joshua, Gideon, David, and on and on we could go. And you will see that God constantly brings his people into difficult and, in fact, impossible. Now, do you hear that? Impossible situations. Why? He wants to show his glory, his power, and his goodness on their behalf. With Abraham, God told him he was going to make him the father of many nations. Yet he and his wife were childless, and in fact, 50 years past childbearing years. With Joseph, God told him he was going to be great, that his brothers would bow down to him and serve him. Yet, he was rejected and despised by his brothers. He was thrown into a pit to die. He was falsely accused when he did what was right. He was thrown into prison and forgotten by those who promised to help. More impossibility. More circumstances that if, they wrongly, if we wrongly translate them or interpret them, we get it all wrong. Then we have Moses. With Moses, God told him he was going to deliver his people through him. Yet he was constantly leading God's people into much worse circumstances. It seemed like the perpetual uh, 
impossibility. He led them to the edge of a sea, weaponless, with wives and children. And then he sends an army, a massive military force to come down upon them and destroy them. Then he leads them into a wilderness where there's no food or water, just to live there for a little while. Then he leads them into the land of Canaan where there's giants, millions of people, and fortified cities. It was one impossibility after another that God led them into. And now if they read those circumstances, what do they say God is doing? Well, we heard read for us this morning so often. God, have you brought us here to kill us? God, are you against us? Do you hate us? Do you despise us? What is going on? Misunderstanding the circumstances. Misunderstanding the voice of God. We have to know, what is God saying? You know, some people, Joshua and Caleb, they see the giants. They see the fortified cities. They see the same things with their eyes. And what do they conclude? What do they conclude from their circumstances? Let's go get them. Why? Because God has promised. The Lord our God is on our side. Nothing's impossible for him. You know, we can go on and talk about Joshua and the city of Jericho, Gideon taking on a vast army with only 300, David running for his life from King Saul and Israel's armies after being anointed and promised he'd be king, living in caves. God, what are you doing? In every case, whenever God's people received promise and direction from God, they were led into circumstances that seemed, that seemed with the eyes impossible. Not, hey, forget seemed, they were. They were impossible. And contrary to the very promise that he'd made them. This is the theme. Yet, in all of them, they were only a test of their faith and a means by which God would truly show up in his glory, his wisdom, and his power and to the praise of his people. In all of our circumstances, if we are walking in obedience to what the Lord has called us to do, we are called to believe in the face of impossibility which God might lead us to, we have horrible circumstances. No matter what those circumstances are, we're called to look at them and believe, despite what we see with our eyes, that the Lord our God will deliver us. He is working this for our good. He's, he's called us to wait on him and to watch his salvation. We're to believe in God, trust in our Lord, even when our circumstances say something contrary to us. Can you just think of the scriptures from beginning to end? Is this not the story? Is this not how God leads his people? He gives a promise. This is he speaks his word, and his word never fails. That's the point. It never fails. And just to make sure you understand it never fails. Well, let me lead you into an absolutely impossible situation. That when you look at that and you interpret that, what are you left to interpret? Either what I see with my eyes is the truth or what God has spoken is the truth. Which is it? Which trumps what? God's word or our circumstances? 
The word always trumps the circumstances. God is the Lord over everything. Everything must bow to him. Everything must submit to him. Everything, every molecule, when he speaks to it, it must obey him. And this was the ministry of Jesus. There was not one thing, not one molecule nor one person whom he would not speak, if he did not speak to, did not have to submit to him. Even last week, as we saw with Mike's sermon, the water molecules, they must, and they have to sustain him under his feet. They must become like concrete. Why? Because the Lord is upon them, and the Lord has told them. He's spoken, and once he speaks, that's the final authority. God wants his children, he wants us all to understand this. That circumstances happen in our lives. And if we are not walking in disobedience and we're following the lead of the Lord, don't be surprised in your life when you're led into impossible situations. This is not a sign at that point to say, God must be against me. God must be, he's leading me here to destroy me. How how could he not? Look at you look around. Hey, could you please do the math? Could you show me? You know, we're done. We're getting foreclosed on. It's over. No, it's not. This is where we have to read our circumstances and say, what is God saying to me? In those situations, he's saying to you this. Wait on me. Trust me because I am going to deliver you. I will deliver you. I will save you. This is what he loves to do. He loves to go against the impossible and show himself to be God. The Lord so often is in the business of doing this for us. But you know what else? God could also be saying by our circumstances that we need to go in a different direction completely. In Acts 27... Paul was supposed to go to Rome before winter. And in the process, he ends up shipwrecked. And they landed on an island in the Mediterranean Sea. In fact, the storm was so violent that everyone on the ship, know what they concluded? We're dead. Every one of us. There's no way you survive this. They were getting pounded. And Paul said, the Lord has revealed to me, the Lord gave him a vision and said, everybody will live but they had to do one thing. They couldn't jump ship. They had to stay with it. Oh, does this mean now that oh, all, the storm went away, everything was fine, we all got saved and delivered? No, it got worse. That ship got pounded and got destroyed. And everybody lived, but they all floated on a piece of wood to the island. A violent storm that God didn't cause the storm to let up, but he delivered. He said, I would deliver every one of you. This was a total change of direction. God, you're planning to go here, and God has you going here. God, what are you doing? Well, he's changing directions. God has a different plan. And sometimes he can even change the plan violently. Our plans, our direction. We learned also a few weeks back about Acts 16, where Paul And Barnabas had planned, their plan to go was to preach the gospel and go to Asia. Remember in Acts 16? And then the Spirit forbid them, it says. 
And then their next plan was to go to Mysia. But the Spirit would not allow them to go there either. And in these cases, the circumstances seemed fine. Circumstantially, everything was, why not? Everything was open. They, they were to go. But the Spirit forbid them. Now, we don't know exactly how the Spirit communicated this to them, whether it was a vision or a dream or a voice or whatever it was. But I know even from my own experience and from even others that I've talked to, that when God closes a door uh, like this, he communicates it to our spirit that he doesn't want us to go. And now this, this is sometimes, uh, we don't always know how, even how to describe it, right? There's, can, sometimes we can say that there's, just, there's a check, there's a sense, there's, a, there's something that we have a hard time describing in us, but we, we have a strong sense that we shouldn't progress, we shouldn't go forward, we shouldn't proceed. And um, I remember, I don't know what sermon that was, a couple sermons back when I was talking about even my decision to come here. And part of that decision in coming here meant, you know, deciding whether or not I should go up to Canada and plant a church there. And one of the reasons we didn't go there is because it was, we said, the, the Lord just closed the door there. But so how did he do that? Well, part of it was like a, just a real deep sense in our own spirit. Like there's a check. There's a sense of, no, it's just wrong. The spirit is hindering us. There's a sense of, this isn't right. Now, we, don't, we have a hard time describing that and talking about what that is. And often we don't even... Uh, we say things like, well, it just didn't seem right. But the Lord, the, Lord, the Holy Spirit, will, will speak to our spirits at times and just give us a strong check, a sense of, no, don't proceed, don't go forward. And we don't always have a good argument for it. We just, we just, I, just, I sense at this point that we shouldn't, just, we shouldn't go. We need to heed that and understand that God will communicate with our spirit by the Holy Spirit and, and give us checks Give us a sense at times that we shouldn't proceed. He can, even though, even though what you see with your eyes and everything seems clear and everything seems fine, it just doesn't seem right. Well, we should listen to that because I can also tell you from experience, anytime I've not and charged forward, I've always regretted it and realized I shouldn't have done that. I should have listened. I should have backed off. I should have changed directions. But here, having said that, I also want to give a little caveat to this because I think we can confuse this sometimes with our own, our own fear. We have to discern and understand our own fear as opposed to what the Spirit can speak to us and give us a check and say to us, no, forbid us from going. We can be tempted to listen to, to, listen to our fear and think it's the Spirit speaking, and it's not. Let me give you an example of this. We know God has told us to go and confront those who've sinned against us and broken the relationship. We have a broken relationship. God says you're to go to them and be restored with them. But then we think about the idea of going to them and, and trying to restore the relationship with them, and, and we're like, we're sick to our stomach. We think, I don't want to do that. I don't want to. No. God must be telling me not to go because I've got a check right here. Now, you gotta, you're upset your stomach because you're afraid. What you have is fear. The Spirit actually has already spoken. This is a clear directive. You're to go and make things right. That's clear. So the spirit, that's not the Spirit. That's you. That's your own fear. 
And what we need to do is understand that God, that's not God directing you not to go. That is your flesh. That is your fear, your fear of man, your fear of the unknown. You don't know what it's going to turn out like. You don't know what the, where the conversation's going to go. You don't know where to start. You don't know how it'll end. You don't know. We hate, if you walk into unknowns, we don't like that. So, so many people avoid it. Yet, the Spirit has clearly directed us, spoken to us to go there. We need to go there. In the face of fear, accepting, knowing that we're fearful, but by faith, trusting that the Lord, he will provide, he will guide, he will direct. So those are two different things. The Lord, at times, will, through circumstances, seem like he gives us an open path, but then he will restrain us or forbid us by the Spirit in our spirit. But that never has anything to do with fear that we have of doing the right thing. Those are different things. And we have to discern that. Lastly, I want us to realize that the circumstances could also be God saying that we need to depart from the situation. We're in circumstances, in other words, that we created, and these aren't good circumstances, and you need to get out of them. And here's the prime example, David and Bathsheba. David found himself in a circumstance of his own making. He created it. Because he wasn't doing what he should have been doing. And this is how it reads in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 through 2. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle. Just a little note that. Hello, right? The time, what, where should kings be? Out to battle. Well, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel... And they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabath. But David remained at Jerusalem. And it happened late one afternoon. Even the time of this, late one afternoon, he's, he's, he's got nothing to do. He should have been busy out fighting with his men, and here he is where he shouldn't have been, creating circumstances on his own. David arose from his couch, and he was walking on the roof of the king's house, that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. Now, we all know, I think, how this story ends, and it doesn't end well. It, but it, it, here's what it does do well. It helps us to understand sometimes certain circumstances in our lives lead to certain problems because we created them. We can find ourselves in places we shouldn't be at times or creating certain circumstances where we know we have placed ourselves. In these situations, it's very scary because we need to flee or to run from them knowing the weakness of our flesh. God didn't create these circumstances. These weren't circumstances. He says, I'm going to... God tempts nobody. He's not putting it there and saying, here, here are your circumstances. These are circumstances that we create. In that particular case, we cannot linger. If we've, we know we're there, we cannot look, we cannot contemplate. You know, we cannot figure out, how can I stick away around here just a little while longer? Nor can, nor can we excuse it somehow by saying, you know, God must have providentially arranged these circumstances. No, that's to put on God what you ought not to put on God. God tempts no one. But like Joseph, we need to split and, if need be, leave our jacket behind. And unlike David, we don't need to inquire into her name. 
We don't need to go further. We don't need to take another click. We don't need to think it's okay to to keep looking because it could end in our own destruction. Yet, many Christians today create circumstances where they can look and play with their lusts, especially online, because nobody's looking. You're like David, alone, on your roof, nobody's around, and there's the beautiful woman bathing. And you inquire. You take the next step. These are circumstances of your own making. You're creating these. You're pursuing them. Yet we opt, what we should do is fear them. We should fear ourselves. We should fear our flesh. We should fear and know who we are. Know our frames and be afraid of us. Be afraid of arousing our flesh. Being afraid of, of what we're, po- uh, we're capable of. Because here's the thing. If God loves us, he is going to expose us. He, he will. Because his children, he wants us to train us and to teach us to not go into these particular circumstances, situations that we know we ought not to be. But you know what's even scarier than that? Is if he lets us go into these situations and circumstances and he doesn't expose us. Because if he's handing us over to our lusts, if God ever says, okay, he starts to hand us over, he's not treat, no longer is he treating us as a beloved child. Because according to Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, this is how he actually reveals his wrath. In verse 18, he says that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. And then he states in verse 24 how this is actually wrath is revealed by saying, therefore, God gave them up in their lusts of their flesh, of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. So what did God do? This is, don't you find that interesting? How did God show, show wrath? He didn't go, shazam, man, I'm ticked. You're dead. No, he says, have your way. Fine go he he lets them go in their lusts and then they just get more twisted and perverted and they go on and on in their lusts and their passions that's the scariest part if god doesn't expose us he doesn't discipline us he doesn't draw us back but it's it seems like his hands are off and someone's going headlong you look at that and that's the scariest because you want to see the discipline of the father in their lives You want to see them exposed for their own good. So in these particular cases, getting the circumstances that we might want and having the lusts of our flesh satisfied, that's a curse, not a blessing. That's the wrong way to read the circumstance. And I tell you, we constantly mess up understanding the circumstances. If If you look at all the four aspects we looked at this morning, and you look how circumstances come into our lives, and God is speaking to us through them, don't we often mess it up? I'm going to ask you, what would you think God was saying to you if you were Joseph and were betrayed by your brothers, rejected and thrown into a pit, 
sold into slavery for doing right. I mean, actually, cast into prison because of your faithfulness. What would you think? Those are, those are real circumstances. And what was God saying to you? He hates you. He's against you. He doesn't like you. He's rejected you. He's cast you off. Or the Lord is preparing me. Somehow the Lord has spoken. He's promised. And here's what's happening. I don't understand, God, what you're doing. But one thing's for certain, somehow, some way, this has got to work out. What would you think if God was saying to you if he brought you and your family to the edge of an ocean and that a massive army was on its way toward you to destroy you and your family? Ocean here, army here. What is God saying to you? Oh, he must be for me. My God is so good. Look at these wonderful circumstances. No, you, usually at that point, everything that you're seeing with your eyes is saying, God, what have you done? How could you, how could you have led us here? How could you have done this? Right? Israel, can you, can you, can you blame Israel somewhat like, for not seeing and understanding? They didn't know the Lord their God. They didn't understand him and his ways. They didn't know how God works. And we'll do the same thing when we don't know the Lord. We don't know how he works. We don't know how to understand the circumstances. If we look at the circumstances and translate them in this way, that good circumstances mean God's blessing. Bad circumstances mean God's cursing. If that's how we live our lives, you are going to, it won't be long and you'll hate God. You'll be so frustrated with him. You will not know what God is doing. You will completely misunderstand what is happening in your life. That, if, you, if you learn anything from Scripture, <laughs> that's not how it works. Good circumstances doesn't mean, you know, everything's good. God's saying to me everything's good. And bad circumstances means everything's bad. God's bringing cursing in my life. But would you not agree with me that that's really how we interpret the circumstances of our life? We say, this is what is God saying? That's typically how we do it. Good, good. Bad, bad. What I see is, is, is what I can interpret God doing. What I see is, is not good. That's what I can interpret that. I can figure that out. But that's how, that's how so many Christians live. But it's not the reality. Because... Here's here's something we have to understand just in in, in seeing all this. God could be saying, if you are walking in sin, if you're walking in rebellion or disobedience, and your circumstances are not very good, then yes, God could be saying, you need to repent. Yes, he is, actually, could be, he is. But if you're not walking in disobedience, you're you're following the Lord's lead, and and your circumstances are not good, He's saying to you that you need to patiently trust and wait and watch for his salvation. Wait. And you need to say with confidence, God, you are going to do something. I don't know what. I don't know how, but you are going to deliver. 
You are going to work this for good. You are going to, you're using this to prepare. You're using this to, to, to show yourself great and powerful on my behalf. Because that's the God I serve. That's what you, this, you used to say, God, this is what you're like. This is the same storyline I've been reading from the Bible. The storyline's the same. On the other hand, if you're following the Lord and providentially God sets you in a completely different direction, you're headed east and he sends you west and you're scratching your head, he's telling you he has another plan. And what you need to do is you need to submit to it even though you don't know exactly where it is he's taking you. See, God, what's he most interested? What pleases him more than anything? All he wants from you is for you to trust him. Because apart from faith, it's impossible to please God. That's what he wants from his people. He's training us to trust me, trust me. That's what he's, trust me. That's it. It's simple as that. To trust him wherever he leads you. Or you know what? It could be that there is a, a category of circumstances where you're creating, the, you're creating them yourself. And you know that you shouldn't be creating them. And you need to run from them as quickly as you can. And in all of this... We need to understand that God will often work in ironic and upside-down, crazy ways. Know the God we serve, right? We've got to know Him and know His ways. He works in the impossible. He works through the impossible. Because He wants us to walk by faith and trust Him. So if God is calling us in a certain direction, and He's revealed to us what it is He wants us to do, We have to move forward by faith knowing who our God is. Even when we lack the abilities, we lack the means, we lack the circumstances being just right. No matter how much everything we see with our eyes seems to be against us. In those situations, we have to know that God is for us. And God has led us, and we must follow. And we must wait upon the Lord and look to him for his salvation. So he can reveal his goodness, his greatness, his power, his wisdom, and his love toward us. And why? Because our circumstances will often say the opposite of what God is actually saying. Amen. Father, we're thankful and we're grateful that you do speak to us through our circumstances. We all have many things happening in our lives right now, all kinds of crazy things. And Father, I just pray that you would help us discern and understand what it is you're saying to us through them. That we would know you, we'd know your ways, we would know how it is you speak to us through these situations. I ask, Father, that you would grant us grace, that you would grant us discernment, that you would grant us wisdom, grant us faith, to lay hold of the promises. We know that faith is a gift from you by your spirit so that we can look and we can believe and we can lay hold of despite what we see. Father, we know that's not natural. It's not natural to trust when what we see with our eyes is the opposite. But Father, grant us this grace. Be with us and help us to know you for we ask this in Christ. Amen.